this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus was the rich king who became poor so that we could become rich. He looked down upon our lowly estate and reached out his scepter of favor and he lifted us from the poverty of sin and he seated us in heavenly places In his house, the Bible says, are many mansions. New homes for all of us are being prepared. Maybe the, even the Chapmans this week may have a twinge of sorrow that the new home they thought that they might get this week, they didn't, they didn't get it. But it's a comfort today that our Father that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, that where He is, there we may be also. Amen? Amen. You know, poverty, and we're going to be talking about the poor today, and poverty is an ugly thing when you're in it. It is, um, as the proverb says, the poor man is even separated from his own neighbors. And there's a lot to that. And it's a difficult thing to be poor, but I believe that as we will delve into the Word of God and talk about today, I think our attitude about the poor has become more Republican than it has become Christian. And I think we might need a little adjustment in that area. Amen? Okay, well, amen. 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 David says this in Psalm 41, and he reminds us as we are called to worship that blessed is he that considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him out of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, and thou will make his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me and heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaks vanity and his heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes abroad, he tells everyone, they that hate me whisper against me and against me they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, cleaves fast unto him and now he shall lie and rise up no more. Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trust, which did eat my bread, he hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful to me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. But this I know, that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in my integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. In God's Word, 
if we don't see it and if we don't understand it, um, we are living and have lived before God was so merciful to us in the poverty of our sin. Let us pray. Lord, we are no longer servants, outcasts, the poor, but Lord, you have made us your children. And your children, not just your children, but even heirs, heirs of things eternal. You have made us so rich, so increased with the best things in life, Lord. I pray today that we would understand, Lord, how this came to be. And as we consider the poor, we would remember, as we remember the poor, that we would be remembering how God, how you looked upon us. Lord, we pray today as we hear your word that, and our hearts are convicted, Lord, that you would forgive our trespasses, that you would forgive those things that we have done against you and against other men. Lord, we pray, Lord, as well, Lord, that you would change us, that you would feed the inner man, that the old man, that we would not give provision to it, but that we would starve it and we would not pamper it, O God, but that we would indeed feed that inner man that grows stronger day by day as it feeds upon you. Lord, we know that you can feed us with manna from above as we come to the table together. But as we do, may we come not thinking of ourselves as much as we are thinking of others. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. standing for just a little bit more as I read for you my text from Matthew chapter 6. My sermon title today is called No Time for Trumpets. Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly." And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret will see thee and reward thee openly. 
Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your goodness to us. Lord, we need a wake-up call. We need a reminder today of who we really are and how the things that we have have come to us. In addition to that, we need to be warned against our flesh who takes the beautiful and good and marvelous things that you have given us, the duties that you have put to us and perverts them. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be aware of it and we would not make provision for these things in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Some of the very best stories that we read or watch or however we take in our, these kind of things uh, have to do with the little boy or the little girl who suffers, who goes without, who's poor. But what happens, guys? Come on, you read the G.A. Hentes, you read the, what, what happens in the story? Eventually something good happens in their life. Next thing you know, they find out they're the daughter of a prince or they're the daughter of a king or they're really, were, they, you know, they're part of the royal family of whatever place, or, right? Don't we love to watch these stories? I do. I like to listen to them. I mean, because we like, we like, we like to sort of live it out, you know? Garrison Keeler years ago, he said, I had a really good family, he said, but I just had one of these crazy thoughts and I always dreamed that... I always would fantasize that my parents would be taken in a car accident and, and then I would be adopted by a rich family and he would then get the Red Rider BB gun that he wanted and the train set that he always wanted for Christmas because he never got it. And he realized how insane this was, but he did admit that this happened to him. We have these dreams and, 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 and whatever that have to do with wealth and, and have to do with riches and we see uh, you know poverty as something we don't want to be in. And there are different uh, kinds of, of poverty. Some poverty is there because of our own foolishness. Uh, it's there because of generational foolishness. And some of it just happens to people. Um, I pay my life insurance every single month. And I have a good amount of it. And I hope that if some horrible thing happens to me, in fact, there have been times I think, you know, that'd be the best thing that could ever happen to me so my family could, you know, be provided for very well. Anybody ever have thoughts like this? You guys ever have thoughts like this? I do. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the only one with problems around here. But, uh, but what if this company that I pay the life insurance to, what if it's a make-believe company? I don't know. I mean, you never know. It comes out of the bank every month and... It's happened. I know people that have bought properties and found out after they've given the money to the people that the people don't really own the properties, right? Andrea's dad bought a church and, and a house and they lived out there and there was a school and then it came, hey, you know what? That You don't own this. And they lost it. And it caused financial devastation on them personally and their church. And it was horrible, right? That was a place of great memories, but now it's kind of a, oh, it's a sad memory. Well, you know, it was the church we bought. It was the house we bought really didn't have a good title search. Some people, imagine in the time before insurance, you know, uh, uh, you know, the tornado comes and wipes out your house or the, the Philistines come and they take all of your stuff, right? What do you do? You're not poor because you weren't wise or because you didn't think things through. You're poor because you got your stuff stolen or a natural disaster took it or sickness hits your family. There are different kinds of poverty, okay? But... Right now, as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure I can say there, there pretty much are no poor people here in this church. 
And the only way to sort of get perspective on that is to go to a place where they really are, where they really do have poor people. Uh, and when you understand how poor they are, it, it, it literally hurts you. And if it doesn't hurt you, the Bible says there's something wrong with you. That something that's supposed to have happened inside of you obviously hasn't. That if you go and you see your brothers and sisters in Christ and they're poor and they're on the verge of starving to death and they don't have money to even keep the insects from boring through their skin and their body and and you can see that and go, well, you know what? I mean, there's poor people everywhere, you know. And it doesn't cause something to happen in you. There's something wrong with you that you need to ask God to change. The Bible says this. It says, and we'll get to this a little bit in, in 1 John, it says, it says, how dwells the love of God in you if you see this and it doesn't move you to do something about it, okay? The scriptures are replete with constant imperatives and commands from God's word that it is our duty. What we like to do, because uh, we have become so, and so, you guys were really quiet. I, I would like a loud amen at the end of my sermon. On the fact that we've become too Republican and not Christian. I mean a loud one because we have. And I say we. I'm not pointing my finger. Okay. I know we have. How many of us have not thought about the poor? Come on. you, You know what? Well, those people out there on those welfare rolls. Those people with their handouts. I mean... You see, the devil likes to get to you and whisper in your ear and say, Heath, you know what? You know, you know why you have what you have, Heath? Because you've worked hard for it. Buddy, I'm going to tell you right now. You, you guys ever see It's a Wonderful Life? And you know how that angel takes it back in time? There are decisions where someone gave Heath a job or some good thing happened or he knew the right guy. That, that, and I'm not saying you didn't work hard, Heath. Right? But, but we, we listen to the lies of the devil and we think that we're where we are because we're good and we work hard. And, and you know what I mean? And we, should, we deserve what we have because, you know, and there's this thing that in this whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but there's this thing that has happened and it's happened because there's a lot of reasons why it happened. But one is because of the pride of our hearts. We look at poor and we think they're poor and we wouldn't be poor. And they're poor because they don't work hard or they're poor. They don't have a job because they don't want one. And we go down the list of all of the things because what are we? We are harsh judges. And what happens when you get in one of those situations where Andrea is left with the children and now me and my, and, and you know what? There are people, well, you know. He should have really looked into that company. I mean, that's the kind of thing we would do. I mean, you know. I mean, you know, you gotta, you have to plan. You really have to plan. You really have to think it through. Right, Paul? You know what the Bible says about that planning? Not that it's horrible and you should give up your job and quit it. But the Bible says, yeah, you can plan all you want. But there was, there was a lot of people that planned in the United States when, before the stock market crashed. And they planned, right? And where did they end up? They ended up poor. Now, was it their fault? And we can go go into all of the details of their scenario. But there's something because of the way that we deal with the poor in our society right now that causes us to despise them a lot of times. Come on. Anybody here been tempted to despise the poor? Come on, raise your hand. Unless you're lying, you're going to raise your hand. You've been tempted at least to think, well, you know, you know why they're poor. Well, you really don't. 
God's word, you know, you know, God's word does not give us the right to have distinction between people because they're black and they're white. You're not to treat them any differently, right? The Bible says that different races, I mean, the Bible never goes in because of this, you know, whatever. It never does. But there is a distinction made in the Bible between the rich and the poor. And you, my friends, are in the category of the rich. Now, nobody in here thinks they are rich. In fact, all of us think we ought to be more rich than we are. That's what we think because we love ourselves so much and we think we deserve better than we have. Because that's our human nature that is called discontentment. But there, this attitude of, of contempt for the poor that we have is ungodly and we shouldn't foster it. Now, what happens when the government takes over the job of caring for the poor, which is what happened. You know how our nation is built upon the Word of God? There's all these commands in the Word of God. But what they messed up, Jason, is that they said, well, we should, we should teach our children, right? So what better way to teach our children than get a, get a professional and get them in a room and it'll be more efficient, right? And they got, this is a good idea, the pub called public school. How many, are, how many think we should all quit homeschooling and take our kids to the public school because really they have a better, more efficient idea? Anybody? No, you saw the foolishness of it, but there, nobody did it years ago, right? Everybody was doing it. Why? Because we thought... That, we missed the fact that it was never the government's role. Biblically, it's never the government's role to raise our children and to teach our children. Whose job is that? Moms and dads, right? It's our job to do that. And in the same thing, what happened is our good people who love God, who love God's word, they kept seeing all the imperatives in the scripture. Okay? You go to the law and all, there's all this law. We, we started going through the law. There's laws about you deal with poor people different than you deal with rich people. You, you, you help them, you bless them, you lend to them. You don't take their coat and let them sleep all night in the cold, right? Remember we talked about this the other day? You don't let them, you don't let them turn in their coat for collateral because they're, they're, they're hungry and they want to eat right now and make them sleep in the cold. And the Bible talks about this. It says when you are gleaning your fields, remember we talked about this? We're to, we're to, not, we're to cut corners and leave food there for them to glean. When you're reaping, drop stuff. This is all scripture. The Bible says when a man becomes a slave to you because of his poverty, because he can't pay back his debt, after a certain time, you are to liberate and free this man. There are countless rules about the poor and our duty to the poor. In in so much so that Jesus did not start off as saying our duty is to the poor. You know what he says? Hey, when you're giving money to the poor, don't do it like this. He took completely for granted that we would give money to the poor. They were better off than we are today. We don't even think about giving money to the poor. I mean, I'm not going to ask for a raising of hands here, but how many of you have a little thing that you set aside, or how many of you have a part of your budget that you set aside for the poor people that live near you or in your neighborhood or around and, and make a part of your life finding people that are poor and in need and meeting their needs? Think about it. Is that part of your budget? Is that part of your planning? Well, we say, well, we get taxed, Right? And our taxes, they take care of all of that. Billions and billions of dollars are spent. Do you know that every 90 cents of taxes that are allocated for welfare and for the care of the poor, 90 cents out of every dollar that you give goes to pay for the bureaucrat, the building, the paperwork, the checks, 
the postage, all of that, the social, all that, it before 10 cents of the charity that comes from our taxes that goes to the poor to meet their needs, 10 cents gets there. Do you think maybe you could deliver charity more efficiently, Derek? Do you, do you need to have a building and a board for helping the guy next door? No. Do you need to hire someone with a social degree who's producing nothing and doing nothing and who ends up just working it as a job and, and doesn't love them? They're just there. There's people, they wait in these lines. Do you really think this is what God meant? But you see, we are, we've got a revelation, Luke, that it's wrong that to do that with our children, right? But what have we done? We've given the poor over. They are the children God has given the people of God to care for, in a sense. And what we do is we turn that over to the government and the United Nations and to whatever. And as a result, who gets all the, where, where does all this wealth go? It goes and flows to the government and the government wastes it just like it does with education. Hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on education that are wasted money that comes from us. We're so rich. I mean, have, have you guys, are you not shocked when you drive through the country and you see the monstrosity of a school? That they build. I, the, the one out of Big Run, I, I, I drove by, I'm like, have mercy. What is this? Look like the Taj Mahal. You know? Then I, I drive, you know, there's the new West Ball. You know? And I'm like, and, and how did they pay for that? Well, how they pay for it? They paid for it for you. And in the same sense, you think that school buildings are big. There are skyscrapers dedicated to social services and the Department of Welfare. There are billions of dollars being spent. But what has happened through this is we have forgotten that it's our job to take care of the poor. And you might go, well, how do we do it? Well, how do we do it with homeschooling? We, we, didn't, we don't just like uh, bust all the buildings down and burn them, right? We just go, well, you know what we could do? We could, we could homeschool our kids, right? Sounds very unostentatious, but it's how it works. So how will we ever take this back? Well, what we can do as a church is we can realize that the poor is our duty and we should find out where these people are, find out where they are. And well, they're getting help from the government. And we don't really have that much money and all that kind of stuff. We got to start somewhere. So, so the premise here, before we even get to what Jesus is saying, is the premise is, is that the poor are, is our duty. When we created welfare, we created dependence and we did all that stuff and we messed it up. But what's happened is our minds are not where they need to be in the poor. Our minds are that the poor is someone else's responsibility and our prop- and, and we despise them because now that that governmental system has gone out of control and taken our money and bankrupted our country. Why? Because it was never meant to be. So Jesus wasn't dealing with that. They didn't have poor people. You're going to live or die, whatever it is. Kind of like Pastor Nang Tong. He sees the little girl. She's going to starve to death. What's he do? I, well, I'll just take her into my house. One, one kid at a time. You know? Like R.C. says, changing the world. One diaper at a time. Changing the world. One homeschool kid at a time. Changing the world. What? One, one situation of poverty at a time. Now, there should never, ever, ever, ever be a poor person in this church. And what I mean by that is that there is no reason we should all live well while someone in our church is, is barely making it and living in stress and having difficulties and doesn't have food and is cold in the wintertime. If that happens, it is evidence of our sinfulness. And you might go, well, you know, I don't know that it's my responsibility to work. But I'm telling you right now, if you, haven't, if you don't grasp this, you miss Christianity 101. And, we, and I think most of us has because we're so advanced in our Christianity. We just skip on to 301. 
The 101 says, if there are, you have brother and sister, I mean, how can you feel good sitting in your comfortableness and in all of your allness, right? And they don't have what they need. And you might go, well, they need this and they need this and they need that. You know what? The Bible, there's a reason why. You remember how I was explaining last week that the reason why God wants us to be kind to strangers is so we can remember what? Come on. Why do we remember strangers? It says that it, it says you need to be kind to strangers. Don't take advantage of strangers. Be because of why? He says because when you do, you'll remember that you are what a stranger, right? At the same time, he tells us that we are to be merciful. And why are we to be merciful, Tim? So we can remember that we need what? We need mercy, folks. We forget where our wealth came from and where our ease and our comfort and our blessings come from and we walk not by faith but we walk in pride and we feel really good and we want to grasp tightly to what we have and we think we deserve our ease and comfort part of this thing with the poor is a reason why every one of you should go to you should go to Myanmar and you should see what happens to you. Jonathan, you roll in there, and you're busy. I know maybe, maybe you won't get to go, but one day you roll in there. And if you look at them and you think of them like, like you think of Titus, right? You look at Titus, right? If you knew Titus was hungry, what would you do? Would you be just like, well, that half feels better do something about that. You know what? I don't really want to get involved in that. I mean, is that how you feel or do you love Titus? Come on, Ashley. I'll ask Ashley. You're not not here. Ashley, would you let Titus go hungry? Whose responsibility is Titus? Right, and you know what? They're you know they're doing their best or whatever. But I'm saying you he's you're like you, you know we're going to heaven one day. He's your brother. He's you know what I'm saying. I look at my own children and I think why should my children have better than other people that are going to heaven? Are are in heaven or is there, they're going to be like the people from the from here and the people from there? Or are we going to go to heaven and Pastor Nang and the orphans there? They're going to be in there and we're going to go. Well, you know. We had air conditioning and I mean, we're all going to die. We got heat advisories. We, we can't even make it through it. And folks, I'm telling you, we don't even comprehend heat. It's 130 degrees over there. We'd all, we'd just all be dead. We don't comprehend rain. I can go through the whole thing. But what I'm saying is, is that our mindset towards poverty, it, there should be something in us as Christians where we just go, oh mercy, they can't live like that. I mean, when I, when I met him, and I, this, I didn't even mean to mention Myanmar because some of you are sick of hearing about it, and I'm sorry that you are, okay? I, I hope nobody is sick of hearing about it, but some of you may be. It is the only place I know where I could find poor people in real life that I have been, okay? And I don't find them here because the government's doing a horrible job of taking care of them, but at least it's keeping them from starving to death. We can help the people here by pulling them up out of this situation, helping them, working with them. It's a job we just don't do. But here in our text, well, I'll move on from my tirade on the poor. My tirade on the poor isn't against you. My tirade on the poor is against what creeps into my heart because I'm just like, you know, I've done this. I've, be, I've become so republicanized in my thinking about certain things that I will, I'll sit there and I'll just kind of like, yeah, that's right. All the while going, does the Bible ever say anything remotely like that? Never. Does it encourage thoughts like that? Never. These thoughts of superiority and 
you know, they need, no, it doesn't happen. The Bible tells us, and it does tell us not to treat people different because they're black or white or whatever, but it does say we should treat them different if they're poor. We should, we have a duty to them. So where, when are we doing this? And, and, and it troubles me, it troubles me quite a bit. Now, here in our text, once again, Jesus, he just goes right past it because of course we know the poor are our duty. And because then the government wasn't taking care of them, all right? If you, you know, we knew who took care of them in the early church. What happens? Where, where did deacons even come from? They came from the fact that we had a church and they had widows and they had issues and they were feeding them. This was the role of the Christian life. And the Jews were used to taking care of their own and now they're not Jews anymore. They're Christians. So now we got to develop a system within the church here to take care of our widows because the church was taking care of it before. That's where deacons came from for this immediate need to care for the needy. You see, the widow is the poor. She can't, you know, the, the old lady can't go out and, and pull up her bootstraps. The orphan who's the little baby, he can't go out and pull his bootstraps, right? Pull yourself up out of poverty. There's the land of opportunity. It is the land of opportunity, but opportunities don't come to everybody. You know, there are, there's a segment of our population mad at us right now, and they're mad for partly for a good reason. But we want to think they have no good reason. I, I guess I'm going to go back to this. I'm, I'm ready to talk more about it. When we freed the slaves, we shouldn't have just freed the slaves. How in the world were they supposed to live? We had been caring for them and taking care of them for years. They didn't know how. And you can, you can degrade them for that, but you wouldn't have been any different. You don't know how to take care. You, people just don't all, all of a sudden just know how to go out and get a job, especially when no one would give them a job. We, you think they were hiring black people? With, you know, hey, come and work in, uh, in my factory. Absolutely they were not. They wouldn't even let them drink from the same thing or go to the same... Uh, tri- you know, and in, in the 1960s, much less the 1860s. And yes, the government didn't do what it was supposed to. And then when it did what it did, it did a horrible thing. But these people that got in these situations, we look and we think, oh, well, they should, you know, and and there is a self-righteous, prideful ungodliness about the way we think that we need to deal with. And that doesn't mean it's okay that they're shooting and killing people and all that kind of stuff. But, but there is something the Bible says when the, when we're in adversity, we should consider, I mean, we have a black president for, you know, the last seven years. And what do we have? We have more racial problems in our country than ever. Instead of it's not better. Because our system is rigged in a way to make it uh, to make us hate each other and despise each other, and the only way we can fix that isn't going to be uh, some person. It's going to be you who fixes that. But anyway, so we get to our text, and Jesus is taking for granted that we understand that our duties to poor, and He says, "When you do it, when you do your alms." Don't do them before men. He's dealing with the sin of ostentation. Everybody say ostentation. To be ostentatious is to to do something with the idea that you want everyone to see you. You know? I mean, there are people who do this. Like, I sing loud at church, but I'll tell you this. I don't sing so you can hear me. I sing loud at church, truly. And, and, you know, this is between me and God. I sing loud because I think it helps our song service. But I just love singing. Okay? I'm like, I get to sing. All right. Now I know in my heart if I'm singing, so you can go, man. Check out that. Check out. Jonathan has heard me sing. He's like, man. You know, I, I heard you singing. 
today, man. Trying to hit some of those notes, you know. Now, Hope, I don't know what you think about it, but but honestly, I'm not singing for you to hear me. I'm, I'm glad that we're all singing together. But But there are people who sing to be heard. There are people who give to be seen. There are people who pray to be thought of well. And this is what Jesus is dealing with. You know, I, you know, Luke absolutely loved your prayer. This public prayer, though, almost sounds like it's being talked against by Jesus. Jesus said, when you pray, you should do what? Get in your closet and shut the door. So, so did Luke get in his closet and shut the door? Or did he pray out loud for us all to hear? Did Luke sin? How many know what hyperbole is? Hyperbole is when you say something for effect, but you don't necessarily mean exactly what you're saying. Now, to say that Jesus used hyperbole almost sounds sacrilegious, and I'm not wanting to be, but but there's no way that Jesus meant what it sounds like here he's saying. Give in secret, okay, and pray in secret. And if you do it any other way, it's bad. That's not what Jesus is saying. But there are people, though, who have picked up on this and they, you know. So, so what happened? How about giving today? Did you, guys, did you guys give in secret today? Or did we pass a plate and everybody saw you? How many, how many gave publicly today and everybody saw you? Come on, everybody did, right? Well, they didn't see what I wrapped it up and no one saw it and I put it in a thing. And Giving in the offering is not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus was watching the offering one day. Remember that? He and the guys are sitting around. He and the apostles are sitting around and they're watching the offering. And they walk by and he's like, you see that woman? You see what she threw in there? He saw it so much so that he even knew what the woman's gift was. He didn't go, you see that? She shouldn't do that. It's not what he said. He said, you know what? What this woman did is going to be talked about forever. It's going to be written. It's going to be talked about for, you know... As long as people are alive, they're going to talk about this woman. So, it's, so Jesus is using hyperbole here when he says that he doesn't want people to uh, pray. Okay, He tells them to enter into their closet, right? But at the same time, what is he, what, what is, did Jesus pray publicly? Tim, did Jesus pray publicly? If you think about it, what was he doing in the garden? The people who wrote about it were watching him. Okay, And they saw him agonize. They saw him sweat great drops, as it were, blood. He was not in a closet. He was in a garden. A garden is a public place. Gardening is still a public place today. Gardening is something. Okay? Jesus prayed from the cross. And you might go, well, he couldn't get in his closet. He was nailed to the thing, you know. Jesus went different places and he prayed. Uh, the apostle said, I would that men would pray everywhere with holy hands without wrath. You guys know that scripture? All right. Jesus is God's word commands us to pray. He's not telling us that there's something uh, uh, personal and secret about prayer. He's dealing with the sin of our hearts. Okay. God's not saying don't help a poor person out. He's and, and don't let anyone ever see you do it. What he's saying is, is don't help a poor person out for the point of being seen. Now, the, the, the Pharisees, and uh, Calvin talks about this and other historians, literally, you know how people talk about, you know, like, it almost sounds like he's joking. They, 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 they have trumpets. And that's my message, no time for trumpets. I mean, seriously, Abby, can you imagine this? Uh, hey, honey, I'm going out to uh, give to the poor today. I've hired the band. And... Uh, they're down there right now. They're blowing the trumpets so that when I roll in and I'm in my, you know, I got my uh, 
my, my, my Armani suit on. I'm going to roll out my wad of cash. I'm going to start. It's going to be sweet. Okay. I'm telling you, that's literally what they were doing. These guys were all about the praise of men. And you think, well, that's the Pharisees. Well, it, it, it worked its way into the early church. If you recall, remember Barnabas? The Bible didn't say Barnabas sold a piece of land and he hid what he got and he secretly dropped it off and no one knew where it came from and no one knew about it, but it was mysteriously there, but we put it in the Bible just for posterity. No, it says he sold the land and he brought it and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Everybody saw it, right? Not only did everybody see it, everybody saw it and it had a a very undesirable effect on some people who were ungodly in their hearts because they thought... Man, everybody thinks Barnabas is so righteous and so amazing. I want to do it too. So Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a land, they lie about it, and they do it. Now they don't give it any differently than Barnabas did, but they give it differently in their hearts. Jesus is not dealing with the mode of giving. He's not saying, you know, in the offering plate, Jason, put it in your left hand and try to forget it's there and your right, get your right hand busy and then, you know, throw it in the offering plate. He's not saying it's a sin to be seen to give to somebody or to help somebody. He's dealing with the sin of the heart where our heart takes something good and godly and beautiful and twists it into something ugly. The devil does this with marital intimacy and turns it into what? Fornication homosexuality, and ungodliness. You know, the devil's got nothing. We love food, and it's good, but the devil turns it into what? Gluttony and $1,000, you know, Kobe beef, whatever, or, you know, a $200 bird in a bird's nest or from China or something. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. That makes me want to tell you. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You're better off. It takes that God has given us wine to make the heart of men merry. He's given strong drink to help the sick and those who are ready to perish or old men in difficult times. It thins out their blood. It it brings joy to their heart when they're in pain. You know, they didn't have Advil and aspirin and bufferin and all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever. God gave them something to ease their life and to help shy people talk to each other. And you know what the devil did with it? He turns it into drunkenness and debauchery and alcoholism. And here God has given us a duty to the poor. And what did the people's hearts want to turn it to? They wanted to turn it to something that had to do with them. God gives us something beautiful like prayer. And you know, Luke, did you change your prayer? Because I told you what I was going to talk about. I love it. It 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 just shows me that your heart is in tune with the Holy Spirit. I did not, I didn't even really, I knew I was going to handle this subject, but I didn't know I was going to handle it this way, you know, and God deals with you to include in your prayer. I couldn't have written your prayer better, but, but, but if, but if you, if your prayer, if you're reading it and you're going now, if I say that, what are people going to think? And, and you know what, if I say it this way that, you know, I, there are people who never say anything good about anybody, but they do in the prayers. They never think of anybody. They never help anybody. Their heart isn't there to do any good for them, but, but they'll remember them in the prayer because, you know, 
they want to see him a certain way. God is telling us here, Jesus was teaching them here, that our lives are not to be lived for the praise of men, but of who? Of God. When we do good things like pray, and when we do things like give to the poor, when we do things that God requires us to do, we do it for a reward from God. The Apostle Paul said, if I seek to please men, in Galatians chapter 1, he said, I don't seek to please men. He said, but if I did seek to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. Christ reminded us that someone cannot serve two masters. And if what, if, if, the, if, the, if the, 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 uh, the forum of public opinion is the reason why you dress the way you do and live the way you do as far as your righteousness, I mean, if you don't have a personal conviction about why you wear or don't wear clothes that you wear, but you're doing it because you want someone to think something about you, it doesn't work for you. Modesty, moderation, uh, holiness has a lot to do with the heart. And we can't see into people's hearts. But Christ is asking us here to examine our hearts. He's asking when you give to, to think about why you give. He's saying that when you pray, make sure that you're not, Oh Lord, I just, you know, and you're thinking of these lofty words to say, is that how you talk to God? Our prayers, you know, men hear them, but what he's trying to say is that God hears our prayers and he rewards us. He's not admonishing you to hide every time you pray or to hide everything that you give. He's admonishing you to turn the light on your heart of why you do the things that you do and see if they come from a pure desire to serve and to love God and to be rewarded by Him or if they come from a heart that loves for men to think well of us. That's what Jesus is teaching here. I'm going to read through it and I'll close today. Matthew chapter 6. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when you do your alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And they may have their glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you do your alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that the alms may be done in secret. And thy Father which is in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, pray, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. He goes on to teach us a little bit more about prayer, and we're going to talk about next week when we get together. But what God is dealing with here is about Understanding that our reward is from God. It's good if men notice it. Maybe even if good if they imitate you if you are truly righteous. But our motivation behind it all should be a love for God and our desire for reward. You know, if I had to choose between what you know Luke Downey thinks of me or what God God wants to reward me, do you want Luke's reward or do you want God's reward? I want God's reward. Luke's great, but he's not God. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for these powerful words that Jesus spoke here in the Sermon on the Mount. 
as he systematically seems to have been working through our life, how we deal with strangers, how we deal with our brothers and sisters, how we pray, how we give, how we worship you, Lord, how we deal with injustice. And he's going through a lifestyle that, uh, that, that, that we need to espouse or that we need to understand that there are these two things that war in our midst, the fallen man and the man who is uh, that inner man that, that is being renewed. And sometimes we can't tell the difference between the two. And Lord, we need to be able to distinguish it so we can make no provision for the flesh, that we can stop feeding it and stop pampering it and stop uh, coddling it and we can starve it and we can feed that inner man with your word and with your love and with these great words from Matthew chapter 6. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.